I'm Danny Valentino, and welcome to Crypto on the Beat, a new podcast that will explore the relationship between music and cryptocurrency. We'll discuss the latest news in the space, and we'll have conversations with many of the players on the cutting edge of these new trends that are helping to reshape our world. Bitcoin, NFTs, blockchain, the metaverse, all phrases most of us had never heard of up until a few years ago, and now you just can't escape them. 2021 will go down as the year crypto went mainstream, but where will things go in 2022? Cannot wait to find out. On this episode of Crypto on the Beat, we'll take a look at some of the recent headlines in the crypto world, and we'll be joined by a very special guest. For us, a huge show is, you know, EDC, 125,000. These are massive numbers. It's like when I'm on Fortnite and they're like, oh, yeah, there's 1.4 million people tuned in right now. And they're just like shrugging this off. For us, we're just like... That was dance music superstar Cascade, who last March became one of the first artists to perform in the metaverse when he took the stage in the game Fortnite. The planning and the prep that went into that for a 30-minute set was like nothing you could ever imagine. That full story and more from Cascade a bit later in the show. But first, let's take a look at some headlines. The first ever NFT artist will take the stage at Tomorrowland in Belgium this July. Ape Rave Club, created on the blockchain and part of the Bored Ape Yacht Club collection, will do the honors. And they have already announced future plans to release crypto-native music via NFT platforms, while they aim to be one of the first decentralized artists in music. Now, what does that mean? It means fans will have a say in the artistic direction of the group and even share in ownership. Sounds exciting. The Cannes Film Festival has come to the metaverse for the first time. In cooperation with the city, the festival's famous backdrop has been recreated in Fortnite, allowing gamers to experience the event digitally. You'll be able to walk the promenade, climb the famous steps, and even pose for pictures on the red carpet. The Cannes Film Festival kicks off May 17th. And NFTs are coming to Ibiza. Party Degenerates and the Night League have teamed up to turn the popular party spot into NFT Island this summer. Now, ownership of select NFTs will unlock experiences at some of the island's hottest clubs, featuring artists like David Guetta and Calvin Harris. The companies also plan to decorate the island's airport, streets, and other popular venues with their digital art, which should make for a very interesting summer on the party aisle. If you're a longtime fan of dance music, there are few artists more iconic than Cascade, our featured guest on today's show. Started putting out music around the turn of the century, and by the time the EDM boom came to America in the late 2000s, he was a household name, selling out the biggest clubs and playing all the major festivals. Over the past decade, he has further elevated his brand by soundtracking popular video games, introducing his music to countless new fans. He recently completed his first NFT drop, has performed in the metaverse multiple times, and joins us today, full of stories and excited to talk about it all. Please welcome to Crypto on the Beat, Cascade. How are you, sir? Thanks for having me, man, on that Miami recovery train. Choo-choo, all aboard, dude. That's the... That's <laughs> So the world is finally opening back up now, right? Clubs and festivals coming back after a couple of years of uh, in hibernation. I mean, just how hard was it past couple of years for somebody like you who's had the travel and the events uh, become such a part of their identity? How hard was that to just be like locked inside and have that all taken away? 
it took me probably close to four months to get to like a new rhythm from, okay, you're gigging three, four nights a week and you're in the studio two, three days, four days out of the week to you have nothing going on. It was extremely difficult for me. I don't like change, period. So so that's and when it's forced upon you like that. I mean, it makes it more difficult. You can certainly uh, attest to that. But, uh, you know, during it all, you did your best to keep the music going. I mean, you did quite a bit of live streaming, uh, some from exotic places like the Grand Canyon, other times from even more exotic places like your kitchen. <laughs> How do you mentally, you know, get into like, hey, I'm still playing for, you know, maybe 10 or even 50,000 people, but really it's just me like, you know, out here in the wilderness. I mean, was that, that was a challenge? Yeah, it was a trip, but it's a different experience completely. Like I feel like the best part of performing is there's that connection with the audience, right? especially in a club, you know, it holds a thousand people, 500 people, whatever it is. There's people right in front of you. You're interacting with them. You're, you're seeing the reaction to playing music or trying different things. And, you know, you get that immediate response. Now it's like, it's back to just me in my bedroom and like, okay, I kind of have to look on the feed. Oh, they're like, that's, they, they dig that or they don't like that. Or you know, it was a different kind of relationship with the audience. So it took a minute to get used to. Uh, but for me, I think, you know, you just hinted towards it. Is this is, was really about keeping busy. I kind of, you know, establishing that new rhythm, like, okay, what am I going to do? Okay, I can stream. You know, I still had my studio, like, cool, I'm going to go to the studio and I'm still going to do a few days a week where I'm writing, creating music. That's great. I, you know, that'll be my place. But really, the biggest payoff to that is going out and playing stuff for people after I've made it. Yeah. I mean, I make music. Part of that is to share it, right? And if I don't have that, it's like, what's the point here? <laughs> You know, like, so, yeah, so I had to go out there and do some streams and, you know, still kind of keep some kind of connection. Is there a place for a show like that now that we're getting back to in real life? I mean, do you think the uh, the live stream or maybe the destination like solo thing, maybe you go out to somewhere, you know, exotic. You think that still exists even now that we're opening up again? Yeah, definitely. I think this just sped us up into getting to that place. I think it was eventually going to happen. Like we all knew, you know, streaming works. How do we make it work? Okay, we're all shut down for two years. Let's figure it out. Yeah. So I think we kind of, you know, jumped probably a decade ahead of where we were, uh, which is cool. You know, the metaverse stuff is really happening. I've got a, um, a big show coming up here on the horizon. I forget the date of the show, but inside the metaverse and, you know, more and more opportunities like that are happening. And, you know, all these people that are just trying to figure that space out are just they're doing cool stuff. I mean, from the exotic streaming locations to more metaverse stuff or performing inside of Fortnite, which I did uh, during the pandemic as well. From what it was 10 years ago to what it is now, insane how much it's gone into the future. I mean, it's, it's pretty cool experiences now. Just to back up for a second, though, I mean, you've been involved with video games for quite some time at this point, right? So before the pandemic, we've seen people spending a lot more time online. And, uh, you know, I think the pandemic exacerbated that, but a big part of the games is definitely the soundtrack. And, uh, you know, you have had your music in games like FIFA, uh, Grand Theft Auto. Uh, more recently, you soundtracked an entire season of a game called called Rocket League. I mean, first of all, are you a big gamer or are these decisions just like, hey, I want to get my music out there to a whole new audience? No, I, I 
love video games. I always have uh, my imprint or the label and some of the stuff that I do is branded as arcade. My studio, I call the arcade. I love gaming. I'm definitely come from a more traditional place. Like I have like asteroids in my, in my studio and, you know, the, the old games from the you know, late seventies, early eighties and all this stuff of where it came from. The newer games I get a little lost in, like it took me a minute to kind of like wrap my head around Rocket League and Fortnite, you know, but dude, I still have fun doing it. It's great. I think what's so cool about all this current wave of gaming is that it's such, has a, such a cool social element to it um, that you can all be like, I could be playing whatever my cousin in Alaska, he's up there working. I'm like, dude, what's up? Jump on, man. Oh, you're, you know, it's the middle of the night. You're doing nothing. I'm doing nothing. Let's play a game. And that's I don't know, it's just a fun way to pass time. Just to give people an idea of how successful this has been for you. I mean, your music from Rocket League, some of those songs, which may not have had the exposure, let's say on the radio, but they're your most streamed songs. Some of them right up there with your biggest hits and with the, with the Grammy nominated stuff. I mean, does that, does that blow you away? It is mind boggling. And I think for people that come from the music industry, for us, a huge show is, you know, cool. I played the Staples Center, 20,000 people are there, or the Los Angeles Convention Center, or even Ultra, you know, 80,000, 100,000, EDC, 125,000. These are massive numbers, right? You're just like, oh my gosh. I mean, you're looking out at a sea of people. It's like when I'm on Fortnite and they're like, oh yeah, there's 1.4 million people tuned in right now. And they're just like shrugging this off. It's like no thing for them because like there's simultaneously that many people online playing their game all the time. That's a Tuesday afternoon for them. For us, we're just like, wait, what? I'm playing for a million people right now. How is that even possible? So it just changes the dynamic of everything and how you think of these numbers. So, you know, I'm coming from like a club background, you know, big night club was like 2000 people. Now I'm like, Oh, this is a much different stage. So of course the, the numbers reflect that you're right. You know, We've been plugging stuff and putting it on the radio and, oh my gosh, you got 50 million streams, 100 million streams, whatever. And it's like, these songs come out and two weeks later have numbers like that. And I'm like, it just doesn't seem possible because of my background and what we're used to. But yeah, it's a different world. You know, it's a, it's a big platform and a lot of people are playing, enjoying the games and music is a central part of that. Talk to me a little bit about what goes into your appearance in Fortnite, for example. So you said there's you know 1.4 million people watching. So it wasn't an avatar of you. This performance was actually was you. I think it was on a screen, but there looked like there were, you know, other avatars that were kind of chilling out, you know, dancing, hands in the air, kind of, you know, vibing to your music. But like, where are you when this is happening? Take us through how this works. When I did it by this sixth time that they've done it, I went into a sound stage in East LA, you know, an hour and a half from my house out in the middle of like nowhere, massive sound stage with like, trucks full of <laughs> hardware and I get in there and really the stage that I performed on seemed like a mid-size festival stage that I would perform on for probably, you know, 15, 20,000 people. I've done this a couple times in my career, but I mean, it was a full LED wall that I was standing on top of. So the projection stuff was going and then full lighting truss, like you would see at any, you know, festival. I performed the set 
12 or 15 times over the course of a couple of days where I just did it and 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 did it. It was like rehearsing for Coachella or something, which on these massive shows, you know, I rent the space and I get my lighting effects guys and the video guys and we get all this content. We get in there and we kind of go through different possibilities of what's going to happen and we work the show out. That's exactly what it was. And they just filmed it and filmed it and filmed it, filmed it with a jib, filmed it with a handheld, filmed it and filmed it. And then they put it together, stitched it all together after running through it, let's call it 15, 20 times, whatever it was. I was beat. After two days, I was like, I just, it's like I just gigged for two months. <laughs> I'm like, I can't oh, jump man. up and down anymore. <laughs> I think we ended on a Sunday, Sunday night. I'm like, it's a wrap, man. Ah, you know? So you're actually home watching it when it happens. Yes. But you probably know like every millisecond of what's going to happen during the event. Oh my gosh. I'm kind of always operating on the fly. I mean, that's what I've loved about the idea of, of being a DJ is it's so, you know, I don't got a band. I don't got to call out to them like, oh, song two, we're going to play this, get with it. I want to scratch that. You know, I just do whatever I want to do when I'm up there. But when you're running this thing 20 times, they're like, get it as close to possible as you did it the first time. And I'm like, you have, you know, that's like move the Sears Tower from Chicago to New York. Like they could have been asking me the same question. I'd be like, I, <laughs> so it was, it was a challenge. It was, you know, but it was amazing. The technical aspect of it, all of it was just fascinating and it looked insane. So a lot of that lighting was happening while I was there. Then they automated lighting stuff that mimicked that inside of the game as well. I mean, it just, the whole thing was just like, mind-boggling. Just so people get it, I mean, this is this is a precursor to really what's going to happen so much more in the future, right? So you did this, uh, I think it was over a year ago now. Uh, Electric Daisy Carnival Las Vegas is probably one of the biggest dance music festivals every year. Last fall, they became the first festival to go down inside the metaverse. And they did it on the Roblox platform. I know they got something even bigger planned for this year, but you were a part of that. I think you like you jumped in, you did like meet and greets with fans and stuff. I mean, just again, how does that work? Really with the festival, I mean, props to the guys over at Insomniac. They've, you know, always been kind of pushing the envelope. I think a lot of the players in the scene realize like, well, this is the future. Let's get ahead of the curve, you know? And I, and, and honestly, I think that's why we're doing this, this interview is because we are early adopters. We love technology, right? Like house music and electronic music. This is, all of us are not scared. Like I'm going to make beats on a drum machine and call it music, right? You know, 20 years ago, guys were like, what? You know, now everybody's like, oh, okay, cool. That's how you make music. I, I think Insomniac's really been kind of pushing that. Um, and for me, they phoned me up. I, I've known Pasquale for years, um, the owner of Insomniac. And it was like, hey, we're doing this thing with Roblox. Are you down? And dude, Roblox in my house, <laughs> I've got a 12-year-old. It's a big deal. This is like... Say no more. Oh my gosh, man. I was like, are you kidding me? You guys got Roblox? We're going to do this through the Roblox platform. My kid was like... I've never been cool to my kid except for that moment. Like there was a cool yeah, getting style points at home. <laughs> totally. I was like, finally some credibility around here. Come on. Some respect. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was cool. Uh, they brought that opportunity and you know, I was all about it. Getting back to you in the metaverse for a second, you alluded to this earlier. You're actually about to host uh, now your own event uh, in the metaverse. And I'm going to let you talk about this, but all, all I know is, um, it's going to take place uh, inside a virtual pinball machine. 
Yeah. So Space Yacht, a, a local promoter here that does amazing stuff. They were very early in the NFT space. When I saw them having success in that, and they teamed up with the Cardano guys who have been in the metaverse and the NFT space and crypto space for a long time as well. And then Future Fest, who's kind of wrangled this whole thing together. So it's a a group of three different companies that are putting all their best foot forward to make this happen. And this is really their first effort. They're based here in LA, so it made sense. I was kind of like, oh, you guys want to do this? And the metaverse, they're really the guys to do it first on this platform and in this way. And yeah, I've already recorded the set. Awesome. Super fun doing it. And another one of these things where it's just kind of mind boggling. Here I am on Twitter making my jokes and having fun and telling more people where I'm going to be in Miami or next weekend. And, you know, and I get interaction with my fan base. These guys tweet something out and it's just like my feed for two weeks is all I see is, you know, you know, it's just like the interaction is through the roof. So they have these really active communities that are, um, you know, pushing for this kind of thing. And I don't know, it's just been fun to be involved with. Talk about NFTs for just a second as well. I mean, uh, these are certainly taking the scene by storm. Are you a collector? I know you did a drop uh, about a year ago. Thoughts on uh, on NFTs and uh, maybe tell us how you uh, you know kind of first heard about them and got involved. Uh, so I first saw him with Dead Mouse. He's about as early adopter as it gets. He's probably doing stuff. He's he's eating lunch in the metaverse right now. Probably um, <laughs> didn't know you could do that, but. Um, so I'm buddies with him and Joel was doing stuff really early on. So I was paying attention to it because I thought, oh man, this is really interesting and cool. I love art. And then same thing. I saw the space yacht guys get into it really early. And I think a year and a half ago when I dove head in, I was really trying to understand how I added value. And I had a handful of guys that are already kind of in that world. And Chad Knight was like, hey, what's up? Your stuff is dope. We should collab. I've got a couple pieces that could use some, you know, you could compose something to. And he showed me. And then we kind of got on a Zoom call and hammered out these different ideas. And then we came up with this thing, you know, summer, winter, fall, spring, four seasons, which I loved. And then I went and composed the music behind these four moving pictures. And then there was one that kind of morphed in between the four different seasons that was a longer piece of music. And then the on-sale went I mean, there's just so much excitement in this space. It was kind of like put them up and it was gone instantly. And and with that newness, I, I should say, because I think a lot of people are kind of like rolling their eyes with the NFT and even with digital currency, you know, people are just like, oh, whatever, you know, like, really, is this really a thing? And it's like, oh, it's a thing. How it's going to look 10 years from now, none of us totally know. And there's certainly a lot of people out there that are making bets and trying to figure out that. But with this newness, that there's like a kind of a gold rush kind of feel to it. And it does bring, unfortunately, it does bring out some people that are, instead of thinking like, how can I add value? How can I do this? They're like, how can I extract the most money out of this? So there is kind of this bad side to what's happening because there's just so much excitement. You're always going to attract some of these idiots out there. But generally speaking, my experience has been been cool, been fun. And listen, I feel like already since what I did a, a little over a year ago to where it is now is totally different because now there's a bunch of musicians that are like, what if the actual piece of music is the NFT? Where's the value in that? Why don't we put the shareholders, all the people that buy into this, you know, how can that have value? And where I see it getting just 
insanely interesting is where it's more tied to this blockchain technology and my fans can own a piece of what I'm giving them and it'll have, you know, some kind of social element to it. Maybe it's some kind of like golden ticket club where it's like VIP or kind of like fan club on steroids where they're owning digital assets that are there for them, but that also works in in real life as well. You just led perfectly into my next question. You know, you have people out there like, for example, uh, Blau, who's creating platforms where you can do just that, right? You can sell royalty ownership in your song in the form of NFTs or tokens, along with some special perks to your fans. And uh, it seems to be a great way for fans to be able to connect with you as an artist in a way that they, you know, can't do just by listening to the song and probably offers you some benefits as well. I mean, you haven't participated in one of these as far as I know just yet, but it sounds like it's it's something you believe in and that you're thinking about. For sure. For many reasons. I, I Well, first off, hats off to Blau. He's been in this game since day one. And he's one of these guys that's really been pushing it forward. It's awesome what he's doing. And I think I take my fans' time and energy and their money very seriously. I feel extremely fortunate to be in the place that I am in. Like I can tour and play these shows and people pay and they come in and they see my show and they love it and have a good time and they come back and, you know, and they download and listen to my music or stream my music. And, you know, I take that seriously and I I want to make sure whatever I'm doing in this space adds value. Um, I think a lot of artists, um, you know, when streaming came along, it was like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> How does this work? How do I get paid? What are the royalties? What's the, sh- you know, what's the split? And a lot of people have felt slighted with this, which I'm sympathetic to. I'm not one of those guys because I've had extreme success in this, in my world. So it's hard for me to be like, ah, we should get more. I don't, I don't feel that, but I do understand for these kind of working musicians who, you know, put out some music and they're getting millions of streams, but can't really, I mean, my touring revenue is this, right? And then, you know, 98% of what I do. And then my streaming revenue is like 2%. Doesn't seem right. Yeah. There there is definitely something that if I didn't have that, any of that streaming revenue, this conversation would have a very different tone. I'd be that guy with my fist waving in the air, like, what the hell? You know, um, I think combined over most platforms, you know, YouTube, Spotify, I, I do something like around 30 to 40 million streams monthly. That's a lot of people. Like, that number doesn't really even mean anything to me, but that's a lot of streams. And then you get these checks that are just like, oh, I can cover dinner tonight. I, okay, let me endorse that and, and deposit in the bank. And Incredible. Let's go to Chili's, you know, like wonderful. Uh, it just doesn't, there is something that's off there. Um, and I, I think Blau and a lot of other people are just trying to level that playing field and make it make more sense. And, and they're going to do it. I mean, you can see it. The writing is on the wall. It is coming. So I'm here for it, man. <laughs> I think we're going to leave it at that. You've been an early adopter to a lot of this stuff and you're, you're, you're on board with all of this. We'll see you in the metaverse. Yes. Uh, we'll see you at EDC Vegas. And uh, it's got a new project too with Deadmau5 called K5. So Cascade, thank you so much for taking some time. Thank you guys. It was awesome. Good to catch up. That was my interview with dance music icon Cascade. A man who has been a fan favorite and at the top of the scene for about two decades now, and yet it took an appearance in Roblox late last year. 
for him to finally get some credibility with his young kids. Tough crowd there in the Cascade household. He's very involved in the video game world and the metaverse, and it sounds like he is ready to explore new ways to connect with his fans through NFTs and sharing ownership of his music, similar to our first guest on the show, Justin Blau. As always, anxious to see what'll be next for Cascade. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode of Crypto on the Beat, where we explore how crypto is so much more than just Bitcoin and NFTs. And now is the time to learn about as much of this as you can, because it is still so early. Special thanks to everyone who makes Crypto on the Beat possible. Sarah Bentley, Roger Coletti, Bill Crandall, Jen Derwin, Emily Doherty, Mike Spinella, and Chris Watherspoon. I'm your host, Danny Valentino. Crypto on the Beat is a Sirius XM production. Sirius XM Podcasts.